Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. Hi, I'm Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. I'm going to discuss strategies for PT collaboration with school-based teams for children with ASD. Let's quickly review some autism facts because we really can't review enough. Repetition is the key to knowledge acquisition. There is a high prevalence of ASD and it's challenging early intervention and educational programs. With ASD, we primarily see deficits in communication and social skills, but let's not leave out physical therapists. There is current literature showing impairments in motor development and motor control systems. Due to this, physical therapists have a need for autism-specific assessments and intervention strategies. In the school setting, a range of services are provided based on the child's needs. This may be direct, consultative, or episodic, depending on the needs of the child. Also, therapists play a key role in collaborating with team members for integration of physical activity into daily routines. Effective collaboration is imperative. This fact sheet is in table form and outlines suggestions for therapist collaboration in different PT-related areas. In terms of movement and motor concerns, we need to support transitions, including moving through the school building with classmates. We can do this by suggesting the use of visual supports, suggest motor imitation ideas, provide strategies for independence, and maybe suggest the possibility of weighted supports. The fact sheet elaborates on all of these strategies. In terms of gross motor skill expansion and improvement with general physical activity, we can share general knowledge about the importance of exercise, share autism-specific motor strategies, serve as a resource during recess, encourage play with peers like catch or tag, and collaborate with the PE teacher. And we can also involve typically developing peers for peer coaching. It is also important to promote imitation skills, and we can do this by providing lots of strategies to practice motor imitation. The fact sheet gives simple movement songs as a good example. We also want to encourage the child to expand their motor planning skills. We can do this by providing strategies for practice and show them how to build upon component parts until the entire skill is mastered. We can work on pre-teaching foundational motor skills and maybe develop ways to modify the environment to advance from predictable to unpredictable. We can pair visual with verbal cues and suggest ways to modify task requirements. We can also assist with planning and facilitating group motor activities.
It is also important to address safety concerns. So developing an emergency plan and support for the playground and street safety. School PTs can also work to set up the classroom environment and routine to maximize student participation and engagement, and they can support successful use of communication systems. Behavior concerns are common and PTs can be involved with this by helping with self-regulation. This may look like developing and implementing an individualized exercise protocol that supports self-regulation. This will also require a lot of collaboration. We can also foster readiness to learn behaviors and engage in adult-directed activities. There's a ton of information in this section, but a few I really liked were to suggest ideas for group motor activities as part of the school day for all students, so things like brain breaks. We can also assist to identify a need for alternative seating and posture options during work table activities. We can also suggest that teachers offer gross motor activities to students when they finish their work. It's important to help a child with ASD learn to accept change in routines, and they suggest linking flexible thoughts to good thoughts. We also need to support group activities and participation with peers by using visuals to help them prepare and understand group activities. The fact sheet ends by discussing a few community transition concerns, like making sure the child has adequate endurance and mobility to participate in higher level education and work. I just highlighted a few of the ideas in this fact sheet, but it offers much more detail than I've described. I would definitely look at this one in detail because I think the concepts of treatment even extend beyond just school-based therapy for autism. We know the content on autism is a little bit slim, so use these resources to their full potential to help prepare yourself. The next fact sheet that we're going to go over is called Educationally Relevant PT, Scope of School-Based Practice. We have gone over a lot of the topics on this fact sheet already before, but it never hurts to review things multiple times, especially when it comes to the IDEA. The fact sheet aims to clarify the provision of physical therapy services for educational benefit under the IDEA. It goes on to discuss the similarities and differences between school-based physical therapists and therapists in other settings, some things that therapists do in both settings include apply the best evidence and best practices in pediatric physical therapy, use the ICF model to provide a framework for education, intervention, and measurement outcomes, work collaboratively with other team members, including families, medical providers, and caregivers in setting goals, planning interventions, and monitoring progress and use of interventions that apply motor learning principles. Under this chart, there is another chart detailing the differences between school-based physical therapy and clinic-based physical therapy. Some key differences include to qualify for school PT, the child needs to have one or more of the disability classifications listed under the IDEA, whereas for clinic-based PT, the child only needs to have a medical diagnosis. In school-based PT, a teacher or guardian or anyone else involved can request to have the child evaluated or considered for evaluation, whereas for clinic-based PT, the child may need to be referred by a physician or another healthcare provider depending on the state. The fact sheet is short and sweet, so it is definitely something to take a look at. 
It could also be useful for your everyday practice if and when you are explaining the differences of school-based PT and clinic-based PT to physicians or other providers. Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of, and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next week. And remember, you totally got this.